Well, we are in Joshua, in this Joshua series, and, and if you have your copy of God's Word, I want you to encourage you to, uh, to turn to that. We're going to be in Joshua, a few chapters. Uh, I believe we're going to start with Joshua chapter 2, and, um, but if you don't have the copy of God's Word, we will have it on the screens. But um, So this Joshua series, we're not going to go through the en- entire book. Uh, Joshua, not, not verse by verse. Uh, there's some, um, uh, some things that I have planned uh, coming in the fall where I'm going to go verse by verse through some books, uh, and I'll tell you more about that later. But Joshua, we're just kind of highlighting those things about Joshua and how it can, um, it can speak to us into our daily life. Because if, I know many of y'all know this, but I truly believe God's Word is alive and active and it can affect our lives. This isn't just written by dead people for dead people, okay? Um, it, it's written uh, not only for them, but for us as well. And so we can really apply it uh, to our lives. And we started this message last week. And last week, the message is called Second Chances. We get second chances because of God's grace. We all have gotten second chances in our lives. And it's during those times we learned that God will always keep his promises about plan A. Plan A for the Israelites would go into the promised land. This is your land. I promise you. The first time, they failed. The first time, they were, it was all about what the abundance of the land could give to them. They made it about them, right? And so they sent 12 people, Moses did, and it says, scour out the land. And so they went to the, the whole land, spent a lot of time, and then they came back, and, and they said, man, this is awesome, but a lot of giants, a lot of big cities, big tall walls. I don't think we can do this. So they voted. When God's called you to do something, you don't put it to a vote in, in, you know, in your life. You know. Now, as a, as a church collective, you know, there are things that we do as a church that we, that, that we vote on. Okay, and obviously there are some things that, as we seek the Lord and as the Lord speak to us, speaks to us, absolutely. But when it's when it's a, a sure thing, when God is speaking into your life, you want to say, "All right, God, this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to cast votes in my heart." I'm going to move forward. And so they missed out on God. So 40 years, they wandered in the desert. <laughs> they wandered in the desert for 40 years, and um, they got a second chance through Joshua. Got that second chance. And so God is going to continue with his plan A. He always upholds his promises. We learned that last week. We also learned last week that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And he wants us to be successful. There's nothing wrong with God wants, wanting us to be successful. It depends on how you, how you define that. What defines success? Some people define success by, by money and fame. I don't, think the, I don't think the Bible really defines success like that. Success really means just walking in the ways of the Lord, walking in his path, going in his plan A. He wants us to be successful in the things that we do. And then also... He calms our fears. We, we saw that last week. Calms our fears. And so we also learned as we closed out last week is that we've got to approach our second chance differently than our first chance. When Joshua came as the leader, because Moses had died, when Joshua came as a leader, he, he was there at the Jordan River. They were, they were ready to cross. And he decided, you know what? 
I'm not going to send 12 people. In fact, I'm going to send two people, two guys, and the rest of the nation, they're not even going to know about it. They're not. We're not going to cast votes. We're going to, and what's really interesting is this. They didn't go scour out the whole land and see what was good for them. Guess what they did? They went to one city, Jericho. One city that focused on one city at a time. And they looked at those walls and they said, all right, we can't do this, but we believe God can. And so when you go to your, your promised land, now your promised land could, could be a, a wide variety of things. You know, and, and a promised land for us is basically an, an area in your life that God is calling you to. You ever had that sense that God's calling you? For, for example, uh, for those who, who are married, even young, uh, young married, uh, you know, there was a time that God's like, hey, I want you to marry. I want you to. I want you to be able to uh, to, to meet someone. And so, and so you're 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 called to that. Or, or maybe there's some people who's like, you know, I want you to I want you to go to college, okay? Or I want you to go to trade school, and you had that calling, uh, you know, to do that. Or or if you know parents who want to have, want to have children, okay? Or that calling to uh, to lead a Bible study or do something in ministry or even yes, be a part of a local church. It could even be some things like. That, that financial freedom in your life or, or getting, getting healthy, eating, eating right things and, and that kind of stuff or, or maybe helping to mend relationships. Whatever that sort of, that promised land is for God and for you that God is calling you to, that's what I want you to keep in your mind. And that's how we need to approach differently. That's how we need to approach it differently. And so you, you, you've got to do some things. Recently, not recently, but over the past couple of years, I've, I've had to kind of make some adjustments, you know, in, in my life. And so um, with, with, um, with, you know, what I put in my body, like my, my eating, and not because I'm disciplined because I, I was hurting. I was getting old, right? I was like, okay, too many things are hurting, <laughs> and, and I've, got to, I've, got to, I've got to watch what, what I eat. But you know, it's really difficult to, to do that whenever a, 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 a small little girl elementary girl, who's a member of your church, by the way, and, and who uh, knocks on your door and is, uh, has a box of Krispy Kreme donuts and says, will you please buy some donuts? And I'm like, yes, I will. <laughs> How many boxes do you have? I want them all. We bought two, you know, and, um, and I ate one. I did. I ate a half of one. I did. Um, and then later, later on, we... we uh, that same day, it, our, our students went whitewater rafting, and after the rafting, rafting trip, uh, we, um, we had one of our chaperones like, hey, let's find a pizza place, and I'll pay for everybody. I'm like, yes. So we did. It was a pizza buffet. It was so good. It was so good. And yeah, there are moments where you kind of slip up, and that's going to happen, but all in all, whatever God is calling you to do, whatever God is like, I'm leaning you towards this. And, and you know that. That's between you and the Lord. That promised land that God wants you to go to. We have that second chance. So Joshua sends these two spies and to study out the weaknesses of just one city in Jericho. Now, what they do is they meet a prostitute named Rahab who helped them. And I find it interesting that God would use a prostitute. I mean, did they have to say the word prostitute? Did they have to put that in there, right? Did they have to put the word prostitute? I mean, in fact, and it's in there a lot. Prostitute Rahab, prostitute Rahab. And God used her 
in a mighty way to help them spy out. And in fact, she gives them information that they, want, they needed to hear while they were hiding in their room. And, and, uh, and they were hiding so well that, that the, uh, the, the government officials there of that city could even find them. And, but she told them, she says, look, this is what I'm hearing. Everybody's afraid of y'all. Everybody has heard about the splitting or the parting of the Red Sea and the Egyptian and all the plagues. That was 40 years ago. And they're still hearing the stories. And y'all been wandering in the desert for 40 years, and now y'all are, y'all are coming towards us, and everybody is afraid of y'all. God used someone like Rahab, who's a prostitute. Now, I just want to pause here before I get into the deep part of my message, the main point of my message. But I, wanted, I just wanted you to let you know that it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. God can still use you. Now, I want to make sure you understand that. If you, if you don't get anything today in today's message, I want you to get this. It doesn't matter what you've done. God can still use you. Now, there may or may not be former prostitutes here today or if you're watching online, and if it's so, I hope, I hope they are. That's awesome. But, you know, I, I bet you there's people maybe here or watching online, maybe, maybe you told a few lies, maybe you were unfaithful to a friendship or maybe your spouse or, or maybe you, you didn't do something quite right that, you know, just makes you feel really bad and just maybe you've, you've got some guilt You've got some shame. You've got some things you'd love to do over. And it's like, man, I just, I can't be used by God. So listen, if God can use a prostitute, then God can use you. And she was an active prostitute, or they wouldn't have said that. God can use you. And so I just want you to make sure you get that and you understand that. So, but she tells him that the people are surely afraid. In fact, we see this in, in verse 24 in, in Joshua chapter 2. So go to verse 24 in, in Joshua 2. It says this, Then, then uh, they said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All of the people are melting in fear because of this. Those are the two spies who came back to Joshua, and they gave the word from Rahab, the prostitute. They never would have gotten that word if they didn't go scout out the city. They never went to the city. This is their moment. They will finally do it. They will finally take what God has given them. But before we read what happens, I want you to look at this from your perspective. Because, I mean, it's in the Bible. It's for us today. Here's what I want you to think about. When God moves in your heart to take possession of that new life, that new area, that promised land he has for you while facing the fears, because if God's calling you to take something or to fix something or to go somewhere else in your life, there's fears on that. There's fears. We had those fears when we, when we adopted. We had those fears when we planted the church. We had, you know, there's, there's fears when you relocate. There's fears when you go to a different job or, or, or you, you go to a different position. 
But when God moves you in your heart to do that, there are some things that will help you based on this passage in Joshua. So what are they? Let's look at Joshua 3, verse 1. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Meshittim and went to Jordan when they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Now skip to verse 6. Joshua said, um, said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. So as you remember, the Ark of the Covenant was something that God had, had told Moses to build. And it basically contained the, 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 the presence of the Lord, the, the portion of, I guess, the Holy Spirit at, at that time, because the Holy Spirit wasn't in, indwelling people as they, as they believed in, in, in Christ because they were still sacrificing animals for sin and, and those kinds of things. But the Ark of the Covenant, um, it held the, the, the tablets of the, of the Ten Commandments, it held a portion of the, of the manna and then a portion of, of Aaron, the priest's uh, staff, that had budded forth. And, and so in, in that Ark of the Covenant, this, this big treasure chest, I guess you would say, it, it represented and it held the, the, the glory of God. And so they moved out from the camp with the Ark of the Covenant first. Not, not with the guys with bow and arrows, okay? Not the best of soldiers, not with all the horses, not with all the people with shields. The Ark of the Covenant first. What this tells me is this. When God moves in your heart to take possession of that new life he has while facing your fears first, you need to, number one, you need to put God first. You need to put God first. We see that. Put God first. Put God first. The Jordan River is about the size of the Etowah. Think about this. Out of the two million people, there were enough skilled workers to build a bridge across over the river. But it wasn't about them. It was about God providing for their needs. It was about what God confirming the call to enter into the promised land. So what does this say to us? We often have the ability to, to face our fears and move forward in a new life, but God wants you to place him first. You will have the ability, yes, you will have the strength to move forward. You have the skill. You may, maybe you have the confidence. Maybe you have the network of friends. Maybe you have the finances to move forward. Whatever that is, you may have the abilities. Say, if you want to build a new house, you may have the, the abilities to do that. If God's calling you to, uh, to do that and stuff, and that's great. But as you move forward, we have got to put God first. We have got to put God first. Susanna and I got a chance this past week. As a great friend of mine of ours in the community, doesn't attend Lake Point Church, but um, they're, they're kind of, they're kind of having, having two houses here, one kind of in Atlanta, Midtown area, Buckhead, and one here in Cartersville. And he, uh, he asked me this week, hey, I, before we move in, we, we got the house ready and stuff, and it hardly has any furniture in it. It says, before we move in, I want you to come and pray for this house. 
I want to dedicate this house to the Lord before we move in. Isn't that great? I said, absolutely. So Susanna and I both, we walked every room. He's got young kids and, and a girl that's going off to college. And, and we prayed for every room in that house. And we prayed for it. There are people in this church where I prayed for your house, prayed over your house. Okay? In fact, usually when I pray, pray for a house, um, um, the, the people get pregnant. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay? And if, they, if they're kind of beyond the age of getting pregnant or not able to get pregnant, um, one, one family, they have these plants in their living room, and, and it's like overtaking their living room. It's like they just keep growing and growing. And it was like, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know where this is coming from. It's like, I think I do know where it's coming from. It's coming from the Lord. The Lord is blessing your house. <laughs> I don't know that for sure, but sure, we could, we could go that direction. But, you know... It, we, you want to put God first. That's why we have the, had the dedication ceremony. We put God first for our ministry center. It's not about us. Sure, we have the ability to put a building together. We hired a general, general contractor. With God's help, we had the money to do it, and we continue by faith doing that. But it, it, it's not just about us. We are putting God first. We want to put God first in our lives and before we enter into that promised land. Sure, you can make it about you, but your abundant life is, is actually not about you. It's about God moving in your life for his glory. You get to enjoy the results of this process of obedience. God gets the full glory while you get a new story. God gets the full glory while you get a new story. So put God first. Make it about him. Make it bigger than yourself. This approach will help you win over this area God has called you to take because God will make a way for you. We see this in, in verse 17. So let's get down to 17. Chapter 3, 17. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. All right, stop right there. The Jordan has water in it. Think of the Etowah. Okay, it's about that size. You're walking into the river, and they're in the middle of the river, and they're on dry ground. Okay? While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. That new land of a better marriage, better health, better finances, better self-control will only be crossed when we place God first and ask him to lead the way. So place God first. That's what we see. What's another thing we see? Look at Chapter 4, turn to chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Chapter 4, 1 through 7. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribe of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you in the, fu um, in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the river Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. 
What does this speak to us? This is, this is what I got from that. God wants us to place him first and then to build a monument. To build a monument. What's the purpose of a monument? What's the purpose of a monument? They tell a story. They make a statement. God wants you to make a statement. What I mean by this, if you, if you look at, at this 12-stone monument from the pastors, take note of a couple of interesting points. Number one, it, take, it, it makes sort of a, a confirmation statement. This monument was not for the Battle of Jericho, but for the crossing of the Jordan River. The Jordan River crossing was about God confirming the call. It was about God confirming the call. There's a, there could be a barrier between you and that sort of promised land that God's called you to. That monument of God wants you to, to build as a statement about God's confirmation for your new life. And that confirmation is not always positive. For example, a doctor's diagnosis could serve as confirmation that God wants you to into a new life of health. I've, I've been there. Another confirmation example could come in the form of consistent bounce checks. I've been there before as well. God is confirming the call of you to enter a new life of, of fiscal responsibility. It's our part to adhere to that confirmation by making a statement with the monument. What does that look like in these two examples? Regarding your health confirmation, you may take out something in your life that's been keeping you from healthy living and bad and, and building bad habits, but now you're building new habits, good habits. Your monument could be a gym membership or a or juicer, or create better food choices, whatever. I'm just using it as an example. In regard to your finances, you may take out several things that's causing your money to fall through the cracks and build a plan. Your monument could be to attend financial class. By the way, we're going to be offering one uh, next month. We're going to do a series on finances next month in August. And we're going to offer, and we're going to teach for free, it's about a 60 to 90-minute class at the ministry center, and, um, and we're going to offer that for anyone who wants to be a part of it. And we're, there's going to be multiple times you could do that. The important characteristics about your monument is that they need to be something tangible or an action. So God wanted them to build a monument to remind them that what God just did for them or to remind them, hey, this is, this is something I, w- I want you to remember all the rest of the days of your life and to help you with that. So doing something tangible to help you to say, all right, this is something that God has called me to do. Your monument must come before the battle begins, okay? Again, this monument wasn't about Jericho. It's about the crossing of, of the Jordan River. And so that happened before the battle, So do something that is tangible that you can say, all right, this is a confirmation that God, by faith, is calling me to. This is something that God has called me to do. I've read books and even know people who they felt like, hey, I want you to do a major downsize. I mean, major downsize. I want you to sell your house. I want you to sell... I mean, missionaries do that. 
Do you know before you could be an international missionary with the, in, with the Southern Baptist Convention or, or lots of other mission, missionary um, organizations, you have to sell everything. You can't have any debt before you're a missionary. Because when you're a missionary, you're, you're relying totally on, on faith, and you can't, you can't have that, the, those funds that people give to take care of your debt. And so they sell everything. They gave up everything. It kind of reminds me of the disciples. They give up everything, walked away, dropped their nets or fishing nets, and followed Jesus. Give up everything. That is confirmation. That is, and it's a part of the obedience process. When God's calling you to something new, you drop your things, you give up some things, or whatever that looks like, and you follow what God has for you. But often you do that, you do that before the battle begins. For instance, sign up for that marriage counseling, a retreat, before you try to battle the enemy that's inside your marriage. By the way, your enemy is not the other person you're living with. It never is. I know it may look like it because that's, that's where it's coming from carnally with our eyes, but it's never, the enemy's not the other person. Okay, there, there's, a, there's an evil spirit that's involved in that, okay? Just, just around the, uh, the relationship. And so, um, but taking a marriage class or going on a retreat or those kinds of things is something you can do before sort of the battle begins. Going to financial seminar before you tackle it, those kinds of things. We have seen this in our church with the land. I've told you this before, and some of of y'all were involved in this. We have on our property, in our, in our land, a prayer time capsule. I love this. It's a prayer time capsule to where we made a time capsule, and we had people pray. Uh, we had people write down names of people who don't know Christ, who we hope one day will come to Christ. And we put their names in the time capsule, and we sealed it, and we buried it. And it's there in the land. It's on the lower part of the land. And isn't that awesome? That it, 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 it's something that, as, as a monument, we believe that people are going to come to Christ on this property. And so we put a time capsule. Maybe... Later on, before we develop some of that land, maybe we have to dig it up. It would be awesome to dig it up one of these days and, and look at those names and see years down the road. And the God, that right there is a testimony of what God wants to do through us. You may have heard about the Georgia Guidestones. Have you ever read this, seen about this? You know those big... Monument thing, rock things, and one of them got blown up, right? Middle of, the, middle of the night. And so they had to tear them all down. And on the guidestone, there was something like there's a, t- there a time capsule 
underneath these, these rocks. And so they dug it up and they opened it up because nobody really knows who built this thing. It's weird. And they opened up this time capsule and it had some very interesting things in it. Things that like, really? That's weird. I mean, like, what? even a copy of a pornographic magazine. It's like, really? You would put that in a time capsule? I mean, come on. And so the world may put sort of time capsules, things that remember them by, things that may look like that. But the monuments that we, that God wants us to build are things of holiness, things of God. And so as you walk onto your sort of new land, have those monuments, and out of that, out of that, that sort of crossing of, of the Jordan River is where you're going to find those stones. Out of, the, out of that, that struggle, you're going to find that. Some people, the monument could be writing a song or journaling, okay, or, or, or even a, um, a, a, a plaque or some sort of thing to remember by. It's like we did this by the grace of God. And they hang it and they display it. Not because of their strength, but because of God's strength. So we want to, play, we want to place God first. We want to build a monument. We want, we want something tangible that we can see. And oftentimes that will come before the battle. And then my last thing is we want to consecrate ourselves. We want to consecrate ourselves. The word consecrate means to declare sacred, to dedicate to some purpose. That's what the word consecrate means. We see this act of consecration in the unique setting in, in, in Joshua 5.1. So one chapter over, verse 1. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. Circumcise the Israelites again. Now, this is why he did so. All of those who came out of Egypt, all of those men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out of the, um, had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt have not. So in other words, that 40 years of wandering in the desert, all the Israelites had been moved in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men of military age had died. So he raised up the sons to take their place. And these are the ones Joshua had circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. God is telling us to consecrate those areas where he is calling for a change, for a new way of living. For example, your marriage ceremony, for those who are married, was consecrated or made holy in the sight of God. Before you, another example, before you begin the tough road of reconciliation, consecrate your marriage again. Your body is a temple of the holiness of God. When we abuse that temple with, our, with, with things in our life and things, God calls us to a new life with our bodies. Maybe you got away from, from tithing and, and, and giving an offering and 
And so you want to make things holy in, in, in your finances. So what that means is this, like, just like a, a, a circumcision, what it is, it, it's cutting away those areas in your life that, it, that are unholy. That's all that means. That's all circumcision, circumcision means. Of course, later on in the New Testament, God really makes it about circumcision of the heart. Cut away those things in your heart, those desires that you have. They're unholy. Cut those away. Circumcise your heart. Some of us need to circumcise areas in our money. Cut away those things that are frivolous. Some of us may need to circumcise people in our life that's, that's really bringing us down, that's causing us to talk negatively about others or to gossip or whatever. There may be people in your life who are discouraging. There, if there are people who are in your life who are always bringing you down, you got to you got to step away. you got to move them to a farther circle. I'm not saying ignore them, but you've got to move them to a, a farther circle of friends away from your inner circle. You don't need to have people bringing you down like that. You need to cut away things in your life that's making you unhealthy. You need to cut away things in your, in your life, in your day, that's not allowing you to spend some time with the Lord. I'm telling you, that, that, that's, that's a big one for me. As I try to cut away those things, I'm, I'm pulled in lots of different ways from over here. And, there, and I'm, I've got ADHD as it is, and not, I'm not even on medicine. <laughs> but it's so easy for me to say, yeah, I'll do this, this. These are all good. These are all good things. I'll do all of them. And I realize God's like, hmm, hey, hello. Hello, I'm right here. And I realize that I place too many good things in front of God. God's like, you know, those are, those are good and all, but you even need to cut away sometimes the good things that are keeping you from the great things. Sometimes we need to cut away the good things that are keeping us from the great things, from good to great by the way, it's an awesome book if you want to read it. From good to great. So, that promised land that God has for you, as Joshua shows us, we need to put God first. We need to put God first in that. You could do it in your own strength. Yes, you can. Lots of people do. Lots of people make changes in their life on their own strength. Yeah. But putting God first, you're, you're, you're telling God, all right, this, this is so important. I realize it's coming from you. I want you a part of it. I want you a part of it. I want you walking with me. Build a monument. Do something tangible in your life, whether it be writing a journal or, or, or doing something or, or being a part of a class or, or enrolling in, into a class or, or maybe get more training in, in, your, in your trade, in your job. Sign up for that. Just step forward. 
by faith. Step into the Jordan River. Step into that. I know it's, imagine crossing over the Etowah without any kind of, without anything, without no flotation device or rope to hold you to the side or, or whatever. Just walking in the Etowah. God's like, look, I'm going to take care of it. Just start walking. Just start walking. And it's going to be okay. And then consecrate ourselves. Put, put away those things that are unholy. Put away those things that are keeping you away from living a life of holiness. And sometimes those things could be good things. Cut away that Make your life holy. Consecrate yourselves. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, I can't help but think that there may be people here or, or watching online or, or maybe just listening that you're, you're realizing, all right, Frank, I, I've been... I've been having this feeling that I, I've got to do this certain thing in my life. And I feel like it's really coming from the Lord, but I've been doing it with my own strength. And, and I realize today I've, I've got to put God first. He's got to walk with me. And I've got to, I've, I've got to, put, I've got to cut away some of those things that are, that are holding me back. It's time to make some big decisions. I've got to step into that water and start walking that direction. I want to just... Just commit to the Lord right now. Just say, Lord, enough is enough. I'm ready to walk into the water. Enough is enough. I'm ready to sign up. I'm ready to consecrate myself. And I'm ready to put you first. I'm ready to put you first. And there are those who could be here or watching or listening that you're like, you know, Frank, I, I need to put God first in my life. I just need God in my life. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people, a lot of people need God in their life. There was a time I, that I, I, need, I realized I needed God in my life when I was a child. And you could be in that place right now. It's like, I, I, just, I just need, I, I'm, I'm trying to do this on my own. I just, I can't do it. And so, God, if God's calling you to that new life in Christ, life of freedom without, without the shame and guilt of sin, all it takes is surrendering your life to him. All it takes is saying a prayer like this, God, please save me. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. Jesus, please forgive me my sin. Please accept me as I am. Please come and be Lord and Savior of my life. I want to live for you. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you're here or watching or listening online, I would love to know what kind of decision you, you may have made or what kind of help. Or It's like, hey, Frank, I, I just need, I need someone to, to walk with me. Or, hey, I need, I need to go to the next step in my walk of faith. Just send me a, a, an, an email. You can send it to pastor at lakepointonline.com or, or frank at lakepointonline.com. It doesn't matter. I get those. But um, just know this. We're all walking this together. 
And, um, and there, there, are, there are things in your life that God's moving you towards. I just want to encourage you, maybe now's the time. And you have people around you that can help you with that.